welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Welcome back to Wellness Your Way, my friends. If you have been feeling some type of way over the past few years, you are in for a treat today. We have another phenomenal guest interview with someone who's talking all about anxiety, uncomfortable emotions, mental health, and so much more. Kelly Slavin is our guest today. She is an LCSW supervisor, which is licensed clinical social worker supervisor. She has spent her career dedicated to the well-being, support, and empowerment of clients. Her passions as a therapist include providing evidence-based treatments for those who have been impacted by a history or single incidents of trauma, providing insight and support for women experiencing abuse or control in their relationship with an intimate partner, and generally seeking to empower and embolden women to walk forward in their lives with full confidence and esteem. That doesn't get you excited. I don't know what will. Kelly has over 20 years experience in agencies, providing therapy to folks with trauma and supervising programs and other therapists. She started her work as a therapist at Genesis Women's Shelter and Support and ultimately became the director of clinical and professional services there. She then spent almost six years serving as the Dallas Children's are serving at the Dallas Children's Advocacy Center, serving as the chief clinical officer there. She is focused in or certified in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy and is a trainer for eye, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is EMDR. And we talk about EMDR in the interview. She graduated from the University of Kansas with a bachelor's in English and California State University Long Beach with a master's in social work. She just recently started a private practice, the Haven Wellness Center here in Dallas, and we'll talk about the types of clients she serves and the work she offers. She is a ray of light and a genuine helper, and she offers wisdom today that we can all apply to manage the uncomfortable emotions and anxiety that come up in all of us from time to time. So let's dive into the interview with Kelly. Thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on to Wellness Your Way. I'm thrilled to have you here today. I am so excited to be here, really. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I know you have so much knowledge and wisdom and insight to share with people. So Whoever's listening to this, get ready, open your heart, open your mind. You're in for a treat. Kelly, can you just tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. I um, am so excited to be here. I am a social worker. And so I identify with that first and foremost in my world. Um, And I've been lucky enough for about just over 20 years to work in nonprofits in this capacity. So um, I'm a clinical social worker, I'm a supervisor. And so I had this great gig of being able to see clients, but also being able to supervise other therapists and do some teaching in that way. Um, 
and I worked at Genesis Women's Shelter for many years, as well as the Dallas Children's Advocacy Center. And so have just recently, this last spring, started my own private practice, which just has allowed me to really kind of broaden the um, populations that I'm seeing. Um, And I was finding that I was getting lots of calls at nonprofits of folks who maybe didn't fit in the category or the population that was being served by that agency, but who really needed help. And so this has been a great opportunity. So amazing. You have so many aspects of your background to now give to people one-to-one in whatever format they need. Yeah. I wasn't sure how that would translate, you know, and, and it's been, um, a really positive thing to be able to go outside. And some people, just don't feel um, great about going to an agency for one reason or another, that may not be a fit for them. And this has been a way for people to feel safe and comfortable coming in for the same, maybe difficulties, but coming into a private practice instead. Excellent. Well, there are so many aspects of different mental health topics we could cover, but we've decided to focus primarily on anxiety today which is kind of a buzzword. And part of me thinks that's great because more people are getting comfortable talking about what's going on. And also I think it's just getting more prevalent in today's society. And sometimes people don't even know what they mean when they say anxiety. So help us out. Talk to me about what anxiety is and why you think it's coming becoming more common. Sure. Well, let's, let's get real formal first. You know, so I want to just make sure I talk about the way we sort of diagnose with folks when they come into a mental health professional's office is there's a big old book called the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which sounds big and scary, um, but really just helps us break down into categories. You don't want to go see somebody for anxiety and be treated for depression. You want that provider to really know what they're talking about. And one of the ways we learned to do that early in our careers is by using this book. Um, So they really talk about anxiety as um, sort of intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear. Um, And it could be about everyday situations, so specific to something. So Uh, Megan, we might talk about that we've had a loss in our family and it's put a lot of pressure on a child of a parent or things like that. So it's really specific. But the other piece that is a more generalized anxiety is sort of that free floating anxiety. And so, Megan, as you and I have worked together in the past, I know we kind of talked about the monkey brain, you Mm -hmm. know, the, the brain that is just spinning all the time and anticipating. Um, And typically that's what we see increasing right now. Um, I think everything from our sort of instant gratification that we get from screens and social media has taught us to be really, really impatient or trained our brains to be impatient. Um, Also, as we navigate a pandemic and all that comes with it, all of the unknowns, um, although that's a more specific thing, it's really generalized in our world about how we operate and what the next steps are. Um, 
when we think about anxiety, everybody has anxiety and there's a level of anxiety that's positive. We need a little anxiety to run all those races you run and do Mm -hmm. all the things you do, right? We, if we're not motivated a little bit, we don't do very well. Um, But where it becomes pathology is when it becomes excessive and kind of interferes with life. So we think about it being more than six months and it being on most days. We think about it being difficult to control that worry. You know, it's hard to say, hey, I'm just going to go run this race and do my best and have it sort of quiet. This is just kind of bubbling up on and on. And so some of the symptoms we might see aren't always typical, like what we think of. Um, We could see that restlessness or being keyed up. But there's also an easy fatigue that comes with anxiety. Um, So difficulty concentrating. Oftentimes when our mind's going 100 miles an hour, it's hard to concentrate in school or at work. Um, It might also show up as irritability or sleep disturbance. Um, So there are lots of different ways for it to show up um, that we don't always think of off the bat. Absolutely. Having been both uh, diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and several other things in the past, and also just feeling kind of a low-grade anxiety personally um, off and on. I know for me, one of my biggest signals is irritability. And unfortunately for me, it happens with those that I'm closest to. So my husband and my mom are the brunt of my irritability most times. But to me, being so aware of that, I'm like, why did I just snap at my husband? Mm. Oh, maybe because I'm not taking as good of care of myself personally, or I haven't slept well, or I am giving my body any uh, chance for my anxiety to flare up again. A hundred percent. I think like some of our, anything we're dealing with mental health wise, but in this case, anxiety is just having knowledge about it. So I always suggest to people to find reputable reads. If you're a reader, it's always helpful to get that information. When we think about, even if you went into a therapist, the first thing a, a really good therapist would do would be to provide some of that psychoeducation about what your symptoms might be, because sometimes we're having a sleep disturbance and we just haven't conceptualized that as being part of this other picture over here. And so it's really helpful to have that insight. Yes. Great. Thank you for that. So you touched on the pandemic and social media and things like that. And to me, a lot of this is just like throwing us off of our routines or our foundational habits that could support our mental health. How do you think in general today's lifestyle contributes to our anxiety? Absolutely. I think, you know, we are so distracted as a culture in general. Um, It is really hard not to have, you know, a computer on and a phone sitting next to you. And gosh, especially during the pandemic, when many of us were working from home, it was easy to have the TV on in the background. I mean, there's just so much going on. Um, so, so I think there is that technology overload and that um, what we see in the brain happen is there's an instant dopamine hit, right? Every time we get a response mm-hmm. from a screen. And so we're constantly looking for that. Yes. Um, I've also heard an interesting conversation the other day where people talked, people on a podcast were talking about um with the pandemic and its overwhelm and the sort of 
doom and gloom and bad news all the time. We initially started out being really anxious Mm -hmm. and now we've sort of moved to this other side of anxiety, the fatigue side. Mm -hmm. And that in some ways, the fatigue part of it is actually more um, detrimental than the anxiety part because the anxiety part does say that we're still engaged. Right. Fatigue is like, well, I've just given up at this point. Yep. You know? And so not being afraid if you're on that end of things where you just feel like I've been inundated, I feel helpless about this, you know, that could definitely be a part of a post-traumatic response that we're all having as well. Yes. Um, as well as an anxiety response. It just may not look the same as it used to. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I've seen or heard in several of my clients, particularly in this example, those who are more extroverted, they're like, I just miss social engagement. I miss social interaction. And then they start to have social interaction and they're like, I'm exhausted. I can't do it. And it seems so confusing to our brains to be wanting something and then get it and not feel good. It's, It's so many emotions going on. I agree. It's, it's, it keeps us off balance all the time right now. Um, and you know, even as we look back, I've heard some people say like, Oh, I kind of miss being at, I, the, I'm not trying to say the pandemic is over. It's far from over. I'm not suggesting that, but, but certainly as people look back, like, Oh, actually I slowed down and did some good Mm -hmm. stuff during that. And so the anxiety of coming into stay at home was so big. And the anxiety as people do start having in, you know, being at work on site is big as well. I think, you know, when we think about anxiety, we think about it living in our brains and our bodies. Mm. So our nervous system, right. Connects our brain to our body, literally. Um, And so, um, sometimes the words that we express aren't enough. Sometimes we talk about it and it just doesn't seem to be getting down to it. Um, and so I would just encourage folks, one of the therapies I provide here at, at, at our practice is, is a, a therapy and forgive this long name, but it's <laughs> eye movement desensitization and reprocessing and it's EMDR for short. Um, my mom still calls it like E R R D. You know what she's talking about. (laughs) That's right. That's all that matters. (laughs) Um, All that to say, we want to look at therapies that do see the person as a whole person. Right. And so that we're not just talking about thoughts or feelings, but we're talking about body sensations and the way that our bodies store that anxiety. We just talked about fatigue as being one of the symptoms. That's a body stored kind of thing. We also see some um, muscle tension with that. People will talk about storing tension in their shoulders and yet not think about that their body is literally storing that. Um, So I I think it's really powerful to look for evidence-based therapies that really do target all those spots. So interesting. EMDR is becoming more popular for good reason these days. And I think many people might have heard of it, but they don't really know what it is. Can you explain that to us a little bit? Absolutely. It's really interesting. So it's it's about a 30-year-old therapy. Um, and it just takes about that long for therapies to really catch on nationwide. They start at the coasts and move mm-hmm. in. 
Um, so we're learning. Um, I've been lucky enough to be trained in EMDR for about 10 years. And I have to tell you, when I first heard about it, I thought this is too woo woo for me. Like I am not buying it. And I had this beautiful opportunity, um, to watch a coworker provide EMDR for a client who had some really complex chronic trauma, um, in her childhood and adulthood. And I watched her just shift mm. in every way. And it was so powerful. I was like, okay, that's it. I got to go get trained. So generally speaking, if we think about the way memories are stored, typically every night when we go to sleep, assuming we have a good night's sleep, our brain just goes through our day and says, not necessary, not necessary. Mm-hmm. So if I think about like, I can remember brushing my teeth this morning, but I really can't yesterday. And a week ago, I sure can't because right. my brain is like done with that. Right. Yep. But if I'm assaulted or hurt while I'm brushing my teeth, mm. one of the ways that my brain will protect me is by storing that differently. And mm. um, what that means is it'll sort of block it off from the rest of my brain. And that's a protective measure. But the problem with it is that even when somebody's safe after an assault like that, our brains are still on hyper alert. And so any trigger, the smell of toothpaste, maybe I had um, a certain song on the radio while I was brushing my teeth that morning, those kinds of things can create a response in me like I'm in that situation again, Mm. even when I'm safe. And so we want to look at those incidents. And I don't mean that it has to be something as drastic as an assault. It could be anything that disturbs us. And we use bilateral stimulation, which sounds really technical, but really is just eye movements back and forth. And so we ask somebody to look at the memory or the incident and stay in the room with us so that our brain adapts the memory so that our, our brain tells our brain <laughs> that we are safe and okay now. Um, and it's, I'm oversimplifying it like crazy, but it's just been really powerful as a client myself has used it. I, there's really, I really can't imagine going back to talk therapy after this, you know, wow. so, um, but just watching people heal has been really powerful with that. Amazing. So definitely something that you need a trained and um, trusted practitioner like Kelly to do EMDR, but highly recommend. uh, And we'll put all of your contact information in the show notes and have you talk to it, um, talk about it at the end. How about some things that people could do on their own if they start to resonate with some of these signals of anxiety? What are some of your favorite practices to teach people? Yeah. So here's, here's the deal, y'all. I have so much anxiety and it will be a lifelong management for me. Um, and I have to tell you, I had some pretty distorted beliefs about it, you know, that, oh, if I worry hard enough, my kids will be okay. Or, you know, the worry, helps me be better at my job. I mean, those kinds of things. So I I really have tried almost everything. Um, so if, if, if seeking therapy is just not in your wheelhouse, um, I would just say that really the best 
way to manage anxiety is going to be to look around at your support network. Um, Mm -hmm. And so who are the folks in your life that you are really able um, to talk talk with things, specific things that bother you, but in general, things that bother you. So do you have safe people in your world? And so that could be friends, family, it could be folks at church, it could be neighbors. I mean, this could, that can look in any direction. I run a ton because that monkey brain in me just needs to be exhausted sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, some folks do use therapy. Some people do take medication. I mean, there's no shame in any of that. Um, and the thing that I have found to be really helpful, and I've heard many people say is kind of having almost a quiet time for yourself. And for those of you who are listening to this and like, I got four kids and no time in the world, I get it. Um, that makes perfect sense to me. Even if it's five minutes in the morning before everybody gets up, um, Maybe it's something you read. Maybe it's just time you take to yourself. Maybe it's sprinting around the block, you know, for a few minutes, but really just having a moment in time where you, you get that for you only, um, can be really life-changing. Um, and then as your kids are getting older, cause I promise they will get older, <laughs> um, you can build in other things in more time. I know Megan, I've heard you talk about yoga being a powerful presence in your life. So it's not running and it's yoga, do yoga. I mean, whatever that looks like. Yes. I love that. Whatever it looks like for you. Listeners will know how strongly I feel about the morning routine and having time for ourselves. And like you said, it's different for every person. If you have four kids and two jobs and all of this, I am not under any expectations that you spend an hour in the morning but I think it's kind of twofold that five minutes, it's both powerful for your brain and engaging that parasympathetic nervous system and feeling calm. But it's also like, yes, I did something for me. It's that making your bed effect. It's like, I am a priority again in my life. So it can be very empowering that way. Well, and you'll love this too, because you are my water champion. And, you know, one of the things that I learned to do, and I should have said this earlier is breathing. Um, it's, you want to think about, I can't go out and go running in the middle of my work day necessarily. Right. But what I can do is every time I fill up my water bottle, I stand in deep breathe in those moments. Right. And so if there are certain parts of your day that get repeated, maybe it's every time you use the restroom, maybe it's every time you fill your water bottle, just doing some really, um, deep breaths and exhaling specifically really slowly, um, can be really calming to our nervous system. I think, um, I've read that nine breaths will do it. You just get us back on track. Um, but it also could be, and I'm not advocating for candy, but gum chewing or humming. I mean, really a lot of that is meditative and repetitive and kind of keeps us grounded. So those are some other options as well. That's so interesting. I have very little knowledge, but you saying gum chewing is making me curious. Mm -hmm. I do believe that there's some real science about chewing and just kind of like feeling a bit more calm when we chew, whether that's ice or food or candy or gum. Is that true? Yeah. So it's interesting. It could be chewing. 
so forgive this sentence, but there is a brilliant um, uh, psychiatrist named Bruce Perry, who's out of Houston. Um, and he, he runs a, a organization called the Child Tra- Trauma Academy. But he talks about the most satiated we ever are is in utero. Mm. And that is um, because we're fully protected Um, but it's a patterned, repetitive, somatosensory, relational experience. And so in any way that we can repeat that, and so let me just break that down quickly, but patterned meaning over and over again, repetitive, right? Um, So the chewing would fall into that, kicking a soccer ball back and forth, swinging, walking, any running, um, somatosensory. So in the ideal situation, we run outside, right? Instead of inside, because when we're outside, we feel the air and we smell the trees and we have all of these, um, sensory experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then in an even better world, we run with somebody. And so we're running along, we're having all of these repetitive somatosensory and then a relational experience as well. Um, all of those things just bring down our nerves. And Mm -hmm. so even if it's oftentimes with kids, I'll start out a therapy session doing jumping back jacks while we sing. Oh, I love it. But it's that relational thing that happens, even if you can get any part of that. So you're sitting at your desk, you work alone, but humming or chewing or, um, you know, walking around. I know in my house working from home, I was often marching around, you know, just to get regulated, um, can bring down that anxiety. That's so great. I, uh, once I started having a jillion zoom calls per day, I made a commitment to myself each time I start and end a zoom call, take one deep breath but you're encouraging me to up my game. I think I can get to nine. Even if you just have a minute between, I think I can get to nine. Even if you do nine one time a day, you know, it's yes. just, just, just practice, not perfection, right? We're just absolutely the best we can with this. So, yes. Yeah. So great. So finding what it is for you, finding some way to get some time for yourself And ideally, if it's all of that repetitive, psycho or somatic, Uh can you say them one more time? Yeah, Yeah, it's patterned, repetitive, somatosensory, relational experience. Okay. Patterned, repetitive, somatosensory, relational experience. Yeah. And any part of that is great, right? I love that. Not always going to have it all at once. So we'll give Bruce Perry all the credit for that because it's okay. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. You know, I love learning new things. So thank you for that. Yeah. Now in there, you mentioned some people do medication, some people therapy is not their thing. I want to touch on medication a little bit, a hot topic. I have mentioned many times before I was medicated for anxiety for several years and I'm not now. And for me, for right now, this is the right answer, but Mm -hmm. I'm very much not anti-medication. I think it can be a lifesaver for people and I fully support doing whatever anyone needs for anxiety management. So how do you help people decide whether that's a step or they can handle it without 
Sure. I think of medication initially, at least as scaffolding. So um, when, when I begin working with somebody, let's say they are working so hard and they are doing all the right things and really this whatever's going on in their life is so overwhelming um, that maybe they need a moment in time. So we wouldn't teach somebody, um, you know, how to read sentences in Chinese or in Mandarin without teaching them the alphabet first. Right. And there are just times when we need a little bit of help, a little bit of scaffolding. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that we work together for a minute and just suggest that, you know, that it might be that having some medication at this point could be helpful. And I'm like you, I, I feel like whatever people need to do is great. And I would, you know, when I work with clients on this, I work closely with their psychiatrist just to talk about the work that's happening. Um, For most people that can be a short-term option. So When somebody has a safe home to go into and they are supported by friends and family, even when they go through something, they can be on medication short term and do therapy as well. And typically that's not a long term need. There are certainly folks who need to be on or who choose to and want to be on medications longer term. And that is a really good choice for them. Um, So I, I, I think the key is to work with a mental health professional, certainly, and then to, via that person, find the right psychiatrist as well, who is informed about whatever your diagnosis is, um, and to really let them know your preferences. Like, I really would not like to be on medication long-term, or I'm fine with it either way, but being a part of that um, I always think of that as a treatment team, the client and the providers together. Um, so really talking about what medication means to you and, and how you view it. I love that. And, and as a client, being willing to express that too. Your provider team are not the bosses. They are part of the team, of course, but you as the client or me as the client is the boss. So at the beginning, I want, I didn't know of any other option. And frankly, I wasn't really willing to do the work for me personally. It was a lot of hard work to learn to manage my anxiety without medication. And right at the time, it was not the time for me to do it. But then when I expressed, I was like, Hey, I would love to get off this. Help me. And then they were willing to help. me. I love that. Yeah. I think that, um, that so much of it is the timing of things. And there are times in my life where I have the energy to jump in there and work hard. And there are other times where it's just not manageable, you know? So I think there are lots of different options out there and hundred percent. If you're not feeling comfortable with your provider enough to be able to say what you need, it might be time to look for somebody different just because you are the expert on you and that ought to be the direction the provider is looking, looking to. Absolutely. So inspiring. So I've heard you now say you do jumping jacks with kids, you do EMDR, you do a little bit of everything. Can you tell us about what kinds of people you serve and maybe how people could get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, our website is the Haven wellness center. 
com, and all of our information is on there, costs and um, services provided. Um, we do um, some talk therapy, but a lot of EMDR therapy. Um, but really and truly, we are um, seeing a broad group of clients. Um, it's everything from domestic violence in the home and child abuse to folks who are adjusting to everyday life circumstances. Um, and gosh, everyday life circumstances right now are just not normal anyway. Um, so lots of folks with anxiety and depression, um, and then trauma as well. Um, but certainly if we're not the right place, we want to help you find the right place. There is a great network of mental health professionals in Dallas. Um, and be, I've been so lucky to be in this, um, this world for a long time. And so, um, if I'm not the right provider, we'll help find the right provider for you. Um, I do see some teenagers. Um, I mostly refer out younger kids um, at this point, but I'm happy to talk you through any of that. Um, so feel free to reach out and, and we'll get you to the right person if we're not it. That's so wonderful. That's the sign of a truly genuine helper wanting to help, even if you're not the right person. I love that about you and I'm grateful for everything that you've offered so far, I like to leave people with some action steps. So they've gotten a lot. Take time for yourself, do some physical motion, all the things that you've mentioned, but let's wrap it up with one or two mental health action steps that Mm -hmm. you would offer to our listeners. So I wouldn't even divide it out as mental health, right? I would say like total health, right? And you've taught me so much of this, but I think whether you deem it exercise or not, movement in general is going to be helpful. Um, So um, doing the best you can with movement and providing your body with healthy options. When, man, when I eat crappy, I feel crappy. It's just that simple. And sometimes I may choose to do that and that's fine. I'm not, there's no judgment about it. Um, But the more you can eat in a healthier trajectory, the better you're going to feel. I would say too, that, um, that if you're going to look for therapy, um, look for evidence-based therapy. There are lots of folks out there doing lots of different kinds of things and without dogging on anybody, cause that's not what I mean. I just think it's so important. If you're going to spend the money on therapeutic services that you really get what you're paying for and you get folks that don't want to keep you in therapy services for a hundred years. You know, I want to be a drop in your big old bucket and just give you what you need and let you move on. Um, so look for somebody who's evidence-based because that's going to mean that they're using a therapeutic modality that works for your issue or your diagnosis, but they're also not going to keep you in services for a hundred years. Yes. Such great advice. Look for an evidence-based provider who has your best interests at heart and that you feel like you have a great relationship with. And then the first thing you mentioned, take care of your body and listen to it. You Mm -hmm. said it great. When you eat junky food, you feel junky. Mm -hmm. If we listen to our body, it tells us so much. And feeling physically healthy, like you said, it's all one thing. So it's going to translate into feeling emotionally and mentally healthier too. Absolutely. Oh, amazing. This has been so great, Kelly. I appreciate you 
sharing all of your wisdom and your knowledge with our Wellness Your Way listeners. Thanks for being here. Well, I have loved it. It's so fun to talk with you and to get to uh, talk with the folks at home. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll put all of Kelly's contact information and her website in the show notes. If you've been working on your health, but you don't yet feel the results, listen up. There is so much false information and so much negativity in the health world, but I promise you there is a better way. And I call that way the Revitalize Method. It's what I've put together after doing over 8,000 hours of one-to-one coaching and helping so many thousands of people change their lives on an individual basis. I can't help everyone one-to-one, but I can share the secrets with you in a brand new group program. Every single woman who has been through this Revitalize program has raved about it. Women who have been struggling with their health, with their body image, and their energy levels for decades finally feel amazing. If you're looking for science-backed information presented in a usable, actionable way with all the resources, recipes, tracking sheets, handouts, strategies, and tactics you need to succeed, Revitalize is for you. You'll have accountability, support, and encouragement every step of the way. You'll have access to twice-weekly live coaching calls with me. And yes, you'll get lifetime access. This is the deal of a lifetime, and I'm making it because I want to help you truly change your life in the most positive way possible. Revitalize is the last health program you will ever need. So if you're ready to feel empowered and energized about your health, head over to www.thelionshare.org revitalize to learn more about the program. And let's chat to see if you're a match to be the next reveler. Your call to action, my friends, comes straight from Kelly, and it's to listen to your body and treat it well. When we eat like junk, we feel like junk. So check in. What does your body need? Does it need more rest, more movement, more connection, more me time, more greens, more water? It will tell you the answer and you have the chance to listen to it. I will be back for a fun solo episode next week. Until then, have a healthy and happy week, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the Lion Share website.